Hi, you all. At the time of recording this, it is end of April 2020. We are currently experiencing a global pandemic. Um, I have been promising to do an episode of my time in the continent in December and January and just have found it really difficult to encapsulate all the stories. And But I figured that you know, during a pandemic was as good a time as ever to collate my stories about traveling the continent, being in West Africa, to share with you all. However, a couple of weeks ago, I had shared on my Instagram story about my experience traveling Ethiopia and how it was, you know, one of the most transformative travel experiences of my life, particularly because it was my first solo trip. Um, and I did it for my um, my baby organization at the time, Thrive African Girl. It was kind of our first public going out into the world event. And the combination of kind of coming of age, being on the cusp of like being in my, I guess like in my transition from late teenage to like early womanhood, experiencing um, Ethiopia, experiencing some challenges, you know, a lot of challenges that come when you're just traveling the world alone. Um, but being able to sit with myself and be solution oriented to those challenges, experiencing deep desire and you know, probably the biggest thing of all being in an African country that was never colonized just did something to me in a really transformative way. So I shared some of those things on Instagram and, you know, folks really resonated slash wanted to know more. So I decided to dedicate this episode to my African nomad experiences. So I will not just be sharing my West African trip experiences, but I also want to share all some of the other countries I've been to in the continent and the emotions that they evoked and kind of the philosophies that I picked up on life from being in these spaces. So I guess stepping back a little bit, I believe that each place has an energy of their own and the energy of the place definitely impacts how you show up in the space or the impacts the outcomes that you have from your experiences based on how you show up going into the space. And I think that's the that's the thing I love the most about travel is getting to experience a new place and leave changed because the energy of the place plus my energy and my experiences going into that travel experience shape this whirlwind of experiences that are never really the same in any country and any time. Um, every time I've traveled to Nigeria, been back home, it's always been a different experience because I'm a different person. Even though the energy of the place is pretty much similar, it brings out a different side of me every time I go because I, like, you know, we are all growing, we're all changing, our mindsets are developing, our needs are different each time. So I want to share kind of some of those things that have come up for me. So I will start by sharing a little bit about Nigeria based on the past few years of going back home. I, When my family and I emigrated to the U.S., my parents kind of promised that to keep us really connected to our roots, they would 
pay for us to go back to Nigeria every other year until, you know, we were grown and could really afford to financially take that on. And that's something that even when my parents stopped paying for me to go back to Nigeria, I have taken that on to make sure that at least every other year I go to Nigeria. Um, Within the past five years, I've been in the continent every year. And so in opposing years to going to Nigeria, I also go to other countries. And that has been really beautiful. Some of the countries I've visited, in addition to Nigeria, include Ghana, Togo, Benin, Ethiopia, Malawi, and Kenya. My goal is to travel all of the continent was by 2050, or all of Sub-Saharan Africa by 2050. But with COVID changing the world as we know it, I don't know what travel is going to look like. I don't know how that will change and affect my goals. But it's always been my goal to experience myself in different parts of the African context, to learn from different African peoples and the ways that they organize their lives, to understand the ways that they govern themselves as someone who's really interested in law and policy and lawmaking and placemaking. Um, I have a deep desire to study the ways that my ancestors all around the continent have made home out of places and have chosen to organize and govern their reality. And so, and, and then just to have fun, I really, I feel at home whenever I'm in the continent. I feel at peace the most when I'm in the continent. So experiencing the natural resources, experiencing the people, experiencing the foods, the ways of being, the dressing, the vibrancy always brings me a lot of joy. Um, I want to start with vibrancy when I talk about different spaces and the ways that I've experienced their philosophies. There's lots, anyone who's traveled to the continent will tell you that there's a lot of color on the continent. There's a lot of vibrancy, the way people dress, the way people look, the looks are loud, the buildings are, they, they kind of command attention. Um, there's there's just vibrancy to it. The foods look really vibrant. There's life and vibrancy and you feel that on a daily basis. Um, the, the place I enjoy the most that kind of gives me this vibrant feeling are the markets. And if you've been to an African market, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's uh, So the way we do our markets, particularly in West Africa, and I think all around the continent really, is we have an open market system. So when my grandmother was growing up, she told me that they would have different market days. So on the Ike market day, they were like maybe the group of people who sold food would come. And then on the like Ife market day, I think um, the groups of people who sold like clothes would come. So there would be different categories and there would be different market days of the week. And that's how they marked their days of the week in the Igbo culture of Nigeria. Um... But that's very different now from the markets that we have, especially in the bigger cities and, um, you know, medium-sized towns. What we do in those markets, are like everyone has, most people like rent or own a stall in an open space and they sell everything. So if you go to like the city I grew up in, Calabar, there are three different well there are like lots of community markets but then there's like there are two big markets so the community market that i grew up in was in akam town and that was the market that i went to and it's a kind of a smaller market and almost every neighborhood um organ every neighborhood area every of the every big neighborhood area has like an open market but then we have two markets that are just the biggest in size so watts market 
and um, Marion Market. And those two markets, if you grew up in Calabar or just anywhere in Cross River State, you know the markets I'm talking about. Um, the big markets are really overwhelming and it's really easy to get lost. It could probably take you about three hours to work the, to walk the entire length of the market. So these are huge places and everyone has you know different people sell different things there are different stalls so the food stall is what is the kind of the east wing of the market and the clothing stall is kind of the west wing of the market and then there are lots of things in between there are like furniture stores there are hair braiders there are like music and video cd makers there are bookstores they're just like huge open spaces where people go to and you know there's roofing over it but for the most part it's like a huge outdoor space where people sell their products um and for me the markets are the one thing i go to whenever i'm on the continent to kind of ground myself in the reality that i'm back because of the vibrancy of it i you know closing my eyes and envisioning a market you just there's there's so many people and you feel a sense of community and you know that you'll never be in the same place with all of these people ever again because the configuration of a market is so you know you have people who are there from out of town you have people who you know just show up it, it, yeah it's it's so big it's so beautiful i love the thing I loved the most as a child about about going to markets is getting to have your own people that you go to buy from and so you know you have the the woman who sells you fish and you have the man who sells you goat meat and you have you know the the child that you buy all your jewelry from and you know you just have all of these people that are your people and you kind of they get to they give you like discounts based on loyalty programs and so it's it's so cool because all of these like really great business ideas that I've learned and the ways that I've known how to move businesses some of it has been learned from navigating and knowing about business growth and business development from the people who sell in markets and um market my my grandmother my father's mother was a market woman who organized to stop taxation like kind of gender discriminatory taxation on market women for the uh what what the world now knows as the Abba women's riots um it's a lot more nuanced than that but there were women riots in the in nigeria that kind of was the first initial opposition of nigeria of the colonial government and administration it was a huge organization of market women who came to say hey like stop taxing salt um but it, it led to a bigger movement and you know it's a really big it's something that you study when you study like oppositions like to colonial administration in West Africa. Um, so markets hold a very significant space for me in my heart and in my experience of being on the continent. Um, they're just vibrant and alive in ways that make me feel vibrant and alive. Okay, so that was kind of the first experience I said I would share. Um, my goal is to share three or four formative, really cool experiences and stories that I have from the continent and the philosophies that come up for me. So with markets, I think the philosophy that comes up for me is the sense of aliveness and vibrancy is something that is co-created by community. 
Um, I think that like sometimes in the Western world, you feel like you, the sense of like aliveness and passion and vibrancy, we look internally for it. And, and there's some sense to which that's a beautiful thing. But being in community and realizing that like we all kind of co-create this vibrant space reminds me that you know vibrancy community aliveness happens at its most mature in community with other people so that's 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 number one (laughs) that was a really roundabout long number one my second big experience from being on the continent that just always brings me a lot of joy is the ways that I feel desired and I know this is a little bit more like nuanced in this is a little bit more nuanced of a conversation to have really because you know when we talk about like my feminism fights for the rights of women to move through space without feeling harassed or violated however the opposite end of that is also moving through space completely invisible and not feeling desired or seen at all and so as we kind of navigate that nuance and I personally as I navigate that nuance um I find that there are ways where you can feel seen and desired by the people who you want to see and desire you without feeling harassed or violated and I've experienced a lot of those moments on the continent particularly as I contrast that to my experience in the western world so a lot of my being in the western world has me feeling invisible and it's no one's fault it's just the standard of beauty that the western world a lot of the western world has set up starts with thin really slender white women and that's what we see in media that's what we see in so many spaces and you know in the past maybe 10 years we've begun to see women who are more curvy take center space but only if they're if they're light-skinned or like curvy but um big breasted and you know just shaped in a particular kind of way and so as someone who doesn't always fit nicely into the the buckets of desirability in the western world but who fits quite nicely into the buckets of desirability on the african continent it's always interesting to compare and contrast my experiences of beauty and desirability in both places Particularly after spending a couple of years living in Oakland, California, my experience of dating and getting to know people in Oakland has been very, (laughs) has actually been upsetting. A lot of the black women who try to date in Oakland who are like dark skinned or African black women who try to date in those spaces will tell you that we just don't get the same kinds of yeah we don't get the same kinds of respect in the dating space or get seen um i joke that oakland is where all the states send their black men who are only interested in dating white women to uh because a lot of the experience of dating in oakland is noticing that black men really give they put white women on a pedestal in the dating game or racially ambiguous women in, the, in a pedestal in the dating game and often ignore friend zone or disrespect the darker skinned or browner skinned 
African women and black women in the space. Um, and I make those distinctions because it's important to note that our experiences of dating can be different between being African-American and being African-immigrant. Um, the experiences of dating are sometimes really different for us. And they're, I think, based on who we're interested in attracting and based on who we're dating. The African-immigrant men in the space often seek the African-immigrant women in the space to get solidarity, but not really to build something strong with. And because proximity to America and proximity to uh, and a reminder, someone who reminds them of their African upbringings, particularly those who are not seeking to go back to the continent, it, it can be a triggering relationship. And so, yeah, dating in the Bay Area has been very interesting, disillusioning, and it's, it's just been a vastly different experience for me when I attempt to date or meet people or connect with people romantically on the continent the biggest difference just being that I feel very seen and very desired and desire is a powerful thing particularly when you don't feel it I've used particularly a lot so I'm going to use less of the word um it feels good it feels good to be seen it feels good to be desired it feels good to know that you bring up curiosity for people that people want to get to know you it feels good when yeah when your femininity is seen and appreciated and when you can experience those things without feeling harassed or feeling unsafe it feels good um i don't know how else to describe that except that it feels good and um i don't always experience i don't always experience that from the people who i want to experience that in my american context and so maybe that's why i'm on the continent every year to kind of get more of those experiences um so that's that with desirability and dating i could go into more detail but I will not go into more detail except to say shout out to all the men I have connected with on the continent romantically and physically um yeah so another area of really great um learnings for me on the continent has been experiencing the power of being African. So you don't really learn a lot about African history in schools as a way of being, you know, whether you're going to school on the continent or you're going to school um, in the West. And there's something about walking in different people's shoes, um, you know, landing at an airport that's named the Namdi Azikiwe International Airport, or, you know, going to places where you know that, like, Wale Shonika went. Like, all of these great Nigerian, for me, people who are my role models and great West African and great East African people. Like, I remember stepping in Kenya and being like, wow, this is Wangari Mantai's hometown. 
and that in itself was just a was a, a really amazing feeling for me for those who don't know Wangari Matai is someone who I respect a lot she is the mother of the modern environmental justice movement she's not given a lot of credit to the ways that her philosophy shaped the global environmental justice movement but yeah, she won a Nobel Peace Prize a few years ago before she passed. And she's just an incredible woman who looked a lot at African traditional lineage, cultural practices, and used those things to continue to pioneer a modern-day environmental justice movement that is rooted in anti-racism and anti-colonial practices and ways of being. So... It, it feels really nice to embody and walk in the space that really, that shaped the thoughts, that shaped the community, that shaped the politics of really amazing African leaders. When I was in Ghana, um, we visited some memorials to Kwame Nkrumah, who really like spent a lot of time thinking, pioneering, and um, evangelizing African socialism. And it felt really good to stand in a country that where the seeds of its development were rooted in a lot of Carmen Krumah's politic and you could see the ways that his predictions coming true like 40, 50 years posed those predictions and it felt really nice to, you know, be in a space and know that Ngugi Watiango had come here with Chino Achebe to talk about language and there's so many historical landmarks and landmines for people who are interested in African-centered work and for the world, because a lot of the work that shapes the world happens on the continent, but continental Africans are erased from those experiences and continental Africans are erased from the work that they create and the knowledge that they produce. Those who study those things kind of know the order of things, but standing in a place where you could see the knowledge production, um, the intellectual work, the physical work, the um, social labor of continental Africans felt really nice. Those are a few formative experiences I've had with Nigeria, with Ghana, in Togo. Um, being in Bena really brought up for me the power of African spirituality, which deserves its own post and I won't go into too much detail um but African spirituality the magic present on the continent literal magic um that people have referred to as black magic dark magic you know satanic and realizing that like a lot of the power is actually neutral people can use them for positive people can use them for negative but power and the spirituality and the magic present in the continent is neutral. And lastly, I forgot to talk about Côte d'Ivoire and Abidjan. Abidjan for me just felt beautiful and artistic and every artistic creative vein in my bone was completely like brought to life in Côte d'Ivoire. I, the, the paintings, the city, the structures, the conversations, um, the men, everything felt so beautiful in Côte d'Ivoire. 
I really am excited about the possibility of traveling and seeing more of the continent. I have enjoyed spending time, taking time to actually be in the spaces, eating the foods, meeting the people, talking about community, learning from continental Africans, putting myself in space with continental Africans, challenging the knowledge of continental Africans, challenging my own knowledge production. Um, being my fullest self on the continent it really fuels me and gives me what I need to come back to to come back out to the west and do the do my work in the world thank you all so much for listening this has been my longest episode to date I hope that it has encapsulated some stories some philosophies um, some musings about my t- my travel time and I hope it inspires folks to travel the continent and see what they can experience and what is out there waiting for them particularly if you are african-american or british um with the african originated british or just african caribbean um i know that for a lot of people who travel the continent who have never been or who are descended from the continent in a longer in a more longer lineage they feel a sense of coming home and feel like their ancestors are really just present with them and it's an overwhelming spiritual experience i hope you all get to experience that my friend dosevia sponsors trips on the continent through her brand magic and melanin which you all should totally check out i hope you all have a wonderful day and stay safe i hope this has provided something to help you get through this really difficult times and to get your imagination going about where you would love to travel to next.